0: morning, everybody. It's going to be back with you guys. Uh, it'd be good to be home. I spoke at uh, three different uh, locations last week, and I was on a study week working on messages all the way through uh, Easter, actually. Got to stay ahead of things, and the uh, people here keep me, keep me going. It was good, but it's always good to be home. Today we're going to be in part four of the series. We've been calling I Am East Point, and we're going to take a look at something that matters to all of us, and it's the value of spiritual growth. Now, you might not think it matters as much to you as I do, but I'm, I hope by the time you leave today, you'll have a much better understanding of this value. In this series, we've talked about some of the core values, the, the core motivators, our, our mission to love, connect, serve, and grow. Love, God, and others, to connect with people, to serve, and that Brian talked about that last week, and today we're going to talk about the value of spiritual growth. A couple of years ago, after I had actually taught on, on the issue of spiritual growth one weekend, a guy made a beeline for me afterwards, came up and said, Pastor Kurtz, yeah. He says, I don't get it. Not something that we pastors really like to hear after we just taught, but I, I appreciated his honesty. And I said, Well, what don't you get? And he said, Well, I heard you say that it's important to grow and that I need to take personal responsibility for my growth, but I really don't know how. Now, he was a brand new Christian, and he had very little church experience. Uh, in fact, he wasn't even uh, growing up a C&E attender, a Christmas and Easter attender. He just was brand new to this. And again, I appreciate the fact that he was real and honest with me. And I said, you're right. I didn't cover everything. It's really hard in a 30-minute talk to uh, cover everything for everyone. Uh, but I said, I'm gonna, we'll get there. We'll come back. And I encourage him to get into some classes we have. And he grew quite a bit through those as well. But I appreciate it. His honesty. I want to tell you something. Uh, one thing I want to just side note here. We've got a new East Point Twitter account. Some of you use Twitter. And uh, it's, a, it's an account set up where you can tweet us comments or questions and I won't pull my phone out and get back to you right now, but we would love to hear from you. So you can tweet us at EPC, East Point Church, for me, and we'd love to hear from you guys. But another challenge we pastors face, the teaching team here at East Point, is that we have a wide range of folks in our midst. And I love that about our church as well. We've got people who are seekers. They're investigating what it means to be a Christ follower what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to even believe in God or this whole church thing. And I value you. I want you to know I'm really glad you're here. This is a safe place for you to discover grace. Nobody will ever make you do anything. If they do, you come and see me. We want this to be a place where you can discover and grow and learn and ask questions and feel safe in doing so. And there's a lot of you that are in that category. A bunch of people uh, are new. They're new to this whole thing called church and new to faith, new as Christ followers. In fact, every week we have uh, two to five people pick up a new believers packet, and our last water baptism, almost 40 people got baptized in water. So I'm glad you're here, and if you're new, you might be completely new, and have, again, very little understanding of the Bible, and again, you'll grow, and we're glad that you're here, but part of our challenge is we've got people who know nothing, some who are new to the faith, and then of course there's a bunch of us veterans, uh, seasoned veterans of the faith. And, and so I'm going to try today to give something that, we'll, um, that all of you can walk out of here with. You can please pray that that happens. But my goal is to give you something this morning that you can uh, leave here with that you can chew on. And I want to start with a very short and sweet definition of spiritual growth. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. And so here's my definition of spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is the process of becoming who God has made you to be in Christ Jesus. Let me say it again. You gotta get this. Spiritual growth, and I love these words, is the process of becoming who God has made you to be in Christ Jesus. Now, the theological term for that is spiritual formation, or sometimes referred to as sanctification in the New Testament. A big words that basically talk about God the Holy Spirit's work in transforming us to become who we are. First Thessalonians five twenty three. It says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. There's that word. Sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice here that the Bible says, may he sanctify you through and through. And then Paul describes your, your whole spirit, your soul, your body. Long before the New Ages talked about holistic ministry and things, it's been in the Bible. God cares about all of you, every part of your being, your mind, your soul, your spirit, your body. And the prayer here is that you would be sanctified through and through. And that refers to this process of spiritual formation where we are purified, transformed from the inside out, and made holy in our thoughts, words, and actions. And by the way, if you are again investigating Christianity, sometimes people think this, and it's a false belief. They think they've got to get their life all together, get rid of all the bad stuff, stop this and stop that and quit doing that before they can come to Christ before God will accept him. And that is a lie out of the pit of hell. God accepts you exactly the way you are. And he loves you that way. And then his commitment is to transform you. You come in him just like you are, with all your baggage, with all your stuff. Come to him, and then when you give your life, you surrender your life to him, the Holy Spirit becomes, a, a, it, it, it dwelt in you, becomes a part of you. He lives in you, and he changes you from the inside out. It's not just external. It changes your heart and the way you think. Is the work of the Holy Spirit that helps us to grow in our new identity, who we are, and to help us become more and more like Jesus. Let me explain it this way. Once you become a Christ follower, you immediately become a child of God. The moment you surrender your life to him, the moment you say yes to God, and you say, yes, I embrace your gift of forgiveness, yes, I embrace your gift of grace, yes, I surrender my life to you, you gave your life for me, I give my life to you, The minute you do that, you become a child of God. And the Bible says that at that moment, you you have a relationship in and through Christ with God the Father that makes you positionally perfect. Now, do not raise your hand, but how many of you feel perfect? Yeah, not too many of us. So I need to explain something here. What that means is that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, all our sins, past, present, and future, all of them, are covered by what Jesus sacrificed for you and me on that cross. When we accept that payment, when we accept what he did for us, then we stand positionally holy before the Father. When God looks at you, he sees someone that is perfect, that is holy, because he sees you through, if I can put it this way, through the filter of Jesus. And so positionally, in our relationship with Christ, as far as God is concerned, what he sees is you're perfect in me and in my son. You're perfect. But it is the goal of the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts and our insights, to transform our minds, to align our position with our practice, to align our practice, our way of life, with our position as redeemed, justified, and sanctified. Use all those religious words: saints in Christ. And you are a saint, by the way. You know, a lot of us have Catholic background or Greek Orthodox background in my family, and we have this idea that to be a saint, you have got to perform X number of miracles and be sanctified by the you know the Pope or whatever. Man, the Bible says, here's what the New Testament says. The moment you give your life to Christ, you become a saint. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a saint. Go ahead. Go ahead, tell them. Somebody say, you looking at your husband and go, no way. No, no, I know you. <laughs> Truth is, it, positionally in Christ, we become perfect. But our practice, and that's the part that has to get worked out, our practice has a long ways to grow. And again, the Holy Spirit helps us to become who we are in Christ. We are perfect. We are his children. We are his sons and daughters. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to help us practice that, to become the holy sons and daughters of God that we are. And by the way, in the process, we've got to keep our eyes on the one who's able to complete that work in us. Sometimes we fail, maybe more often than not. And we get all focused on our mistakes. Think, How many times have I done that? What's wrong with me? I don't understand. I'm so stupid. And, and we, we get all focused on our sin. We get all focused on ourselves. And we get really discouraged and very depressed and despairing in that moment because our eyes are on the wrong thing. Now, I'm not saying we ignore our sin. Never. But what we do is we own it, we confess it, and we put our eyes on the One who is continually to work in us, committed to making us into the image of His Son. And so we confess our sin, yes, God, I blew it. I failed. I said that thing I shouldn't have said to my wife. Yes, God, I looked at that thing I shouldn't have looked at. Yes, God, I failed. I blew, I blew it. But I'm going to fix my eyes on you, and I'm going to focus on you because I know that you are committed to the process of making me into the image of Jesus. Philippians 1, 3 and 6 says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. Being, listen, confident of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus what does that mean it means that God is able to get you there somebody say thank you God God is able to get you there he's never going to give up on you ever he's never gonna say I'm done you failed too many times not even once he's absolutely committed to the process of our transformation and that's why Paul wrote in second Corinthians 318 we are and he doesn't say we might be, we hope to be. He says we are being transformed into the image of Jesus from one degree of glory to the next. We are being transformed into the image of Jesus, one degree of glory after another. The old King James says, from glory to glory he changeth me. That's what it means, is that God is committed to the process. And he's working in you, and he's working through you. To help you become more like his son. And he's more committed to the process than you are. But he'll get you there. But this happens, and I want to shift gears here. This happens in large part by our cooperation with him. Now God's committed. He's going to get you there. But we can resist God. We've all resisted him. We can grieve the Holy Spirit the way the Bible describes it. We can continually say, no, 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 no. I'm do it our way. And it makes it a lot harder. And it takes a lot longer for us to get there. Now God's still committed. He's still going to keep us going around the mountain he's going to keep coming after us and working in us when we fail because he wants to become like his son but the more we cooperate the more we say yes to god the more we work with him the easier and better it is you and i do have a role to play in this process of becoming and that's why i want to take a little bit of time to talk about a couple things we could do how do we grow well first we must be intentional about taking personal responsibility for our spiritual growth and i love the word intentional And we have to be intentional about taking, and this is key, taking personal responsibility for our spiritual growth. Now, I suppose that might seem obvious to some, but you'd be surprised how often I have a conversation with somebody that doesn't value growth as much as they should, and they're not intentional about it, and they're not taking personal responsibility. You see, it's my conviction that we rarely grow by accident, and that like most things in life, when we're intentional, when we're focused, it's a huge factor in getting there, in us becoming what we want to be or in our success. Let me illustrate it this way. I mean, not one of you learned to read on your own. Somebody taught you how to read. Somebody worked through, you know, whether you got hooked on phonics or whatever it was, they taught you how to read. And the more you read, the better you got at it, hopefully. No one became an accomplished musician or athlete. I, I thank you for being here. I know that the Seahawks are playing right now. I'm, I'm trying my best to get through this quickly. Uh, you should have seen the 10 o'clock you know, service. Boom, they were out of here. But um, no athlete becomes great by accident. They don't just wake up one day and go, I think I'm going to be a professional athlete today. They work at it. Years, sometimes decades in the making to become great. A musician, an accomplished musician, has to practice a lot. I used to play the sax quite a bit, and I'm here to tell you, I, I practiced for hours. Ask my family, they'll tell you, it drove them crazy. I practiced my sax for hours, scales, a lot of scales. You have to do that to get good, to get better. You have to cooperate in the process. I'll give you one more example that's a little bit more closer to home for all of us, because you're not relating to maybe the athlete or musician thing. But how many of you have ever lost weight by accident? <laughs> oh my goodness, what happened? I lost 20 pounds. I mean, you know, it doesn't usually, in fact, hardly ever happen that way. To grow up, there has to be intentionality. There has to be effort, cooperation. And to grow up in Christ, listen to me. I want to connect the dots. To grow up in Christ requires intentional effort, which requires taking personal responsibility. Intentional effort, which requires you and I taking personal responsibility. 1 Peter 2, 2. Peter said, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Love this verse. And he's using a word picture here. He says, like newborn babies. Ever been around a hungry infant? Now, God doesn't want you to be crabby, but he wants you to be hungry. He wants you to be longing. Like newborn babies, crave long, desire, go after. I mean, until you get it, don't stop. Pure spiritual milk. Why? Why? So that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Several years ago, a couple in our church came to me. And I wasn't really sure why they wanted to talk to me, but I knew it was important. And when they sat down, the first thing they said to me was, we want to thank you for being a good pastor. Well, it's nice to be appreciated. I said, you're welcome, and thank you. And, but then uh, the next sentence out of their mouth was, well, we're leaving East Point because we're just not getting fed. We're not growing here, and um, I hate it when I hear that. I just want you to know that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land on this just for a moment, and the last service got very, 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 very quiet when I talked about this, but hear my heart in this. I looked at them, and I gently said, um, so listen, let me ask you, how many life classes have you attended uh, since you've been here at East Point? And they said, none. I said, well, why not? Well, it's just not really convenient. And, and you know, they, they run during church. And, and you know, we, we just, we would rather be in church. And, and I said, wait a minute. I said, don't we have two services? Last I checked, I think, I have a couple services. We have two services. Why don't you go to life class, I mean, and, and, and attend church? Well, we've got kids and, you know, they, I don't know if they want to be here all morning. I said, listen, my kids grew up in church. Sometimes they were at church literally three times a day. And they're almost normal. Said <laughs> so your kids will love it. They'll be fine. I said, but we've offered these classes. Guys, I'm here to tell you, if you've not taken the Matthew journey, it is one of, and I I know that I've got a great friend in Jeff, and I love him, but he wrote this class, Dr. Jeff almost, one of the best discipleship classes on the planet. It's one of the best things I've ever been exposed to. And you want to go deep, get into the Matthew journey. I promise you, your brain will hurt. You will get stretched. How many of you have been through the Matthew journey? Yeah, I look around the room and ask these people. They'll tell you, oh, man, just rock my world. We got one coming up that Pastor Nate wrote called the Journey of Romans. It's going to be an awesome class. We offer these classes all the time. Why? Because we want you to grow. I said, well, we just don't really have time. I said, well. I said, let me ask you this. Well, at home, how often do you study your Bible? Now, I don't mean just read it. I mean, I hope you all read your Bible, though all too often I find Christians who maybe pick it up and bring it to church once a week. But I said, not just read it, study it. How often do you dig a well in the Word? And again, they said, well, you know, we got a lot of family activities and we don't really have time and we don't have our Bible degree and I don't really know, I, mean, I don't understand the Bible. And I said, do you understand? We live in a time and age like no Christians have ever lived in before. We have more information at our fingertips Thousands of volumes of helpful material that's not written for theologians. It's written for people like you and me. It's life application Bibles, information that you can grow and they'll the help you dig a well in the Word of God. Not just a pothole, but dig a well so that you can get deep and study the Word. And I said, how often? Well, rarely. We just, again, we really don't have time. I said, well, let me ask you this. How many non-Christian, uh, excuse me, non-fiction Christian books do you read? non-fiction Christian books do you read in a month? And he said, well, we don't have time to read either. His wife said, we don't have a budget to buy books. Well, finally, I said, well, let me ask you one more question. And it was getting very tense at this moment, kind of the way some of you are looking right now. I said, how many hours a week do you commit to serving God and his kingdom? And his husband just said, well, what does that have to do with spiritual growth? I looked him in the eye, and I was gentle, and I said it in love because I dearly love these people. But I said, listen, So what you're saying to me is that you only want to show up on Sunday morning for an hour and that you want to be spoon-fed by the teacher without any additional effort or energy on your part. Could have, it was very thick. And they hesitated, so I said, by the way, are you telling me that what we cover on Sundays, you've got it all figured out, the life application stuff we deal with, that you've got that handled and you've, you've got it all figured out? I said, because if you do, you should be the pastor. Because, man, every week I'm challenged. I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm saying something like, well, why? That's challenging. Life application. You know, most of us know more than we do, especially if we've been doing this for a while, this Christ following. It, most of us know more than we do. And our goal around here is to get you to do. And I said, listen, I, I, and I, I know this is tough, but I, I asked them these questions, and they looked me back and they said, well, I don't think you understand us. And it broke my heart. Because the truth is, I do understand. I've heard way too many times from supposedly mature Christians that, uh, well, I just need you to spoon-feed me on Sundays. And they're not saying that, but that's what they're saying. And they wander from church to church in search of deeper teaching. And here's the real problem. They want church, meaning Sunday morning services, on their terms. And they're unwilling to take, here's the phrase again, personal responsibility. Personal responsibility for their own spiritual growth. They've got an hour on Sunday that they're willing to give Jesus, but that's about it. And if we don't do what they think they need and what they want in that hour, then they blame the pastor or they blame the church for their lack of spiritual growth. Now listen to me. Of course the church and pastors and leaders play a vital role in spiritual growth. I'm very familiar with Ephesians 4. Yeah, I know. But the goal, the goal must be, should be, has to be to develop self-feeding disciples of Jesus, mature disciples of Jesus. Any pastor worth his weight in toothpicks is going to tell you, listen, it's not my goal to spoon feed you the rest of my life. I mean, can you imagine having a 20-year-old at home if you've got kids, and you put them in their high chair every, you know, three times a day and say, open up, Daddy's got food for you now. But basically, that's what some are saying. Now, I realize babies need to be spoon-fed. But hopefully, by the time they're two or three, you start letting them, you know, make a mess, and they're trying to eat themselves, and the spoon goes in the ear. But they're trying. But the goal, the goal, the goal is self-feeding mature disciples of Jesus. The ultimate goal is not to produce fat and overfed Christians who just know more but truly mature disciples who do more and listen, and they're able to instruct others in the way as well. See, back to Ephesians 4, our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to equip you to do it. And I want you to learn. Somebody say Well, man, you talked about grace so much. I feel like I've heard all the grace message. I get grace. Well, you don't get it until you can give it away. And until you feel like you've, got, you've heard it enough that you're able to say, let me um, unpack this for you, and you tell your friend, your kids, your co-worker, the goal is for you to become self-feeding disciples who multiply the ministry as you give it away to others. Sunday morning is a time of celebration, a time of community, a time where we are collectively challenged to take what we've learned and heard here and to put it into practice Monday through Saturday. That's our goal. Yeah, this is an important time. We come to celebrate, to encourage. It's kind of like the pep rally. You get together and you see other people worshiping, you see other people engage. We're growing together, we're learning together. But this is not the goal. This is not the ultimate goal. Get here, show up on Sundays, but go from here. Monday through Saturday and dig deeper into the word. Practice the things that God's called you to to live. Grow. See, if you only eat once a week, if you literally only eat food once a week, you'd all starve to death doesn't matter how much you ate in that one day. You'd probably die sooner than later. If you only sleep one night a week, man, you're going to be one very grumpy person. If you only take a bath once a week, nobody's going to want to sit next to you in church. We get that about the physical things. I'm telling you, spiritually, you've got to continually feed yourself. You've got to eat more than an hour on Sundays. So please, hear my heart. Can I ask you to take personal responsibility and be intentional about this? Get into a life class. We've got lots of them. Get into a life group. Next two Sundays, we've got our life group fairs. So I just don't like small groups, and I don't like people, and I, don't, I don't have time. You know what? Just stop your whining. and Get into a life group, because that's where we grow. Find an area to serve in. I want to thank the 60-plus of you who signed up last week to serve. Well done. And find an area that's going to stretch you. Where do you grow? When you're lifting weights, you know where you grow? Not when you do a one-pound weight. You grow when you're, ah, you stretch yourself. You take yourself to the breaking point. That's where you grow. Be intentional. Take personal responsibility. All right, let's move on before you guys all get up and walk out of here. Number two, we must be persistent in our pursuit of growth even when life is hard. First, we've got to be intentional and take responsibility. But this part, I want to encourage you with this because some of you, man, life has been really, really hard. And you've just, you've been stomped on, you've been crushed, you've been through the valley of the shadow of death. And I know how hard it is. But to grow, we must be persistent in our pursuit of growth even when life is hard. it's rarely easy to grow it takes a lot of time energy and effort on our part it takes focus takes focused commitment and cooperation with god to become the man or woman that he wants you to become it's going to take effort it, you're going to it's going to hurt it's going to cost you you're going to need to develop spiritual disciplines now some of us grew up in church and and those two words are almost bad we've heard about spiritual disciplines you know growing up and i and it was like, you got you to pray more and do this, and you, gotta, you know, all these things. And, and they had a list of things you got to accomplish to really be a good Christian. And it was just all this external stuff, and we hear the phrase, some of us, I, I'll own it, grew up in church, and the phrase, spiritual disciplines really turned me off. I get sick and tired, because I, I saw all these people trying to do things on the outside, and there wasn't any consistency or, or congruity from the inside. And I, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying there are spiritual disciplines, things that we can do that will help us. Prayer. Conversing with God. You can't have a relationship with a human unless you talk with them. And the more you talk, the more you can grow in that relationship. Conversing with God. That's what prayer is. That's where we grow. Again, reading the Word. Studying the Word. Digging a well in the Word is where we grow. Meditation. And not the weird, you know, thing that our culture tends to talk about. Meditation where we focus on a scripture or passage and we let it go deep. We soak it in. We dwell on that. We abide in it for a while. Fasting, those are spiritual disciplines that will help us grow and become more intimate with Jesus and help us maintain that intimacy. We need to develop, maintain healthy and holy relationships with others in the body of Christ. People that are going the same direction we are. That will challenge us and speak the truth and love to us. And again, that will take time and energy and it won't always be fun. I've got a radical mentoring group and a life group, neighborhood life group. And I can't tell you how many times. About a half hour before that group, I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm so tired. I don't want to do this. I just want to stay home and watch stupid TV and get bowls of ice cream. And I just don't want to go, and I'm whining. But I get you know my tush off the couch, and I go. And you know there's not been, I promise you, not one time, not one time where I finished that night and regretted it. It's always been good. It's always, not sometimes better than others, but it's always been encouraging. I go home and I think, wow, I'm so glad I was there. I'm so glad I got more connected, able to connect better with these people that I love. Connection with others helps us grow. And one of the ways it helps us grow is because that's where we learn things like humility and grace and patience and unconditional love. God put you in a family, a birth family, family of origin, because he knew that's where you would grow best. And trust me, he knew that siblings would fight. He knew that there would be times when you would be really mad at your mom or your dad. But God put us in a family, a, a birth family, so that we would grow there. And, and even in the hard times, the times where we wanted to kill. I my little brother, we're really close today, but man, we, had to, we used to have knocked down, drag out fights. I've had a scar over my eye where he threw a bottle at me and cut me open. And then I beat him to smithereens. I was much bigger than him we had all those fights, and, and, but you know what? That's where we grow. That's where we learn patience and humility and forgiveness. God puts you in a church family that is going to stretch you at times. Because I'm here to tell you, there is no such thing as the perfect church. And we will fail you. I will fail you. Leaders in this church will let you down. People that you're connected with, people you serve with, they'll say something stupid or do something dumb, and it will hurt where else are we going to learn to forgive and love one another as we've been forgiven and loved? Yeah, thank you. I got one amen. Where else? You think, well, can I just learn forgiveness some other way? No. You know where you learn forgiveness? When you need to forgive. When you've been hurt. You know where you learn patience? When you avoid that person, you try to avoid them as much as possible, but God keeps putting them in your life. That's where you learn humility and patience, endurance. God puts you in a relationship with a church, with a family, with people, so that you would grow. That's where you become like him. Some of us grow, and this is God's intent, in hard places of life. Those places where we, as humans, um, t- try to avoid them at all costs, but where we humans tend to grow best, and it's an adversity. I don't know why that's true. I don't know why we're wired that way. But I know this to be fact, reality. We tend to grow best in the really dark, hard places. The past two and a half years or so of my life have been the best of times and the worst of times. I have uh, <laughs> dealt with prostate cancer. That was not fun. Don't recommend that. But, but a few months after that, I got my... Book contract with Tyndale, awesome, and that's just miraculous. We um, <laughs> the process for me of getting this book published has been grueling. Um, it's you know I, I I rode my motorcycle one Saturday this summer. I, I've worked hard, you know, and it's and not one day have I spent working in my office on it. It's evenings, mornings, Saturdays. I've worked hard, but again, the end result I cannot tell you how it's like having a baby. Not that I've had a baby, but I, <laughs> I've had four kids. It's like, you know, you think, you look at it, you go, wow, I can't believe this. It was so amazing, and it's a miracle. It's a miraculous gift. That's the way I feel. You know, about 2009, the Lord began to open up some doors for us in this facility. We None of the space that we, that we had, the owner came to us and said, it's dollar stores going bankrupt. Do you want it? We'll make you a great deal. Our board and our leadership team prayed and everything in us go no 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 god no because it was in the shadow of the great recession remember 2009 and on it's like oh this is not the right time lord could not you just isn't there any other way and we prayed the more we prayed the more god said nope just trust me to do this and we did we stepped out and guys we paid for this in cash in full it's done that was awesome but you know what else another reality pretty much since 2009 there's not been a month go by except for maybe december where we haven't struggled financially to make ends meet. This month, right now, today, we need a $25,000 weekend to make budget for the month of September. And you think, well, well our monthly budget's $104,000. And I tell you, you know, I, again, I look at these things, and, and I, I, here's what you need to hear, listen to me. I wouldn't trade one of those hard things. Not one of them. I wouldn't get rid of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. now would I have chosen them if I would known about them ahead of time? No. But I am a better pastor, a better Christian, a better husband, a better father and grandfather because of the things that I've gone through. And we're a better church because of the things we've grown through. I wouldn't trade any of them because we pastors and we humans tend to grow best in adversity. A couple months ago, we looked at this verse. Let me read it to you again, James 1, 2, and 4 brothers and sisters, think of the various tests you encounter as occasions for joy. Now, don't raise your hand. But how many of you this week encountered a struggle and you saw it as an occasion for joy? He says, after all, you know that the testing of your your faith produces endurance. Do you know that? And I love verse 4. Let this endurance complete its work. In other words, cooperate with the process. Listen so that you may be fully mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. James says, cooperate with the struggles, because that's the path to spiritual maturity. People who grow are people who have a different attitude about struggle. If you get bitter and you curse it, hate it all the time, it's gonna take you a lot longer, and let me give you a little insight on that. God's gonna keep taking you back around the mountain. He's gonna keep... He's committed to your growth. Learn it earlier than later, I promise you it's better. But people who grow have a different attitude about adversity. People who grow or people who look at, at risk and they're willing to take leaps of faith. And God says, I want you to do this. We say, yes, God, because we know that God will stand with us and carry us through it. People who grow, people who get up and they press on even after failure. They don't get consumed by it and beat up by it and sidetracked by it. They get up because they realize it because in Christ, failure is never fatal, and so they grow through it. they don't just go through it. And our flesh, the world around us, the enemy, the devil, will fight to keep us static and not growing. You need to know that. But growth is possible, and we choose. That's the last thing I want to say you today. We choose. We choose to cooperate with the process of growth or not, and my heart for you, my heart for you is that you'll choose wisely. So what are you doing to grow? Are you taking personal responsibility? Are you being intentional about it? Do you want to grow? And if you do, then what's holding you back right now? What's it going to take for you to become the man or woman God wants you to be? Right, I had somebody to pray for you. Father, I thank you that you are incredibly committed to the process of our spiritual growth that you have given us the gift of the Holy Spirit and that his work in us is to transform us from the inside out into sons and daughters of God, into the image of your son, Father. And I know that um, these words are sometimes difficult for us to hear. We, as a culture, don't like taking personal responsibility. It's easier to blame, to focus on others. And God, I just pray today that you would help us to understand our role, what you do, what you're committed to do, and then our role, and that we would work with you, not against you. That we would cooperate with you in the process of becoming. And so help us leave here today, Lord, more committed to that than perhaps we have been before. Keep your eyes closed and your head bowed just for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your walk as a Christ follower. And you're ready. You know, man. Okay, I'm ready. It's time for me to accept that gift and to begin my life as a Christ follower, as a disciple of Jesus. You're ready to accept the gift of His grace and mercy and to surrender your life to Him. And I'm going to pray. If that's you, and you know it's you, you know it's in your heart. And if that's you, let me just pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to make my prayer your prayer, to own my words. What's most important is the decision you make in your heart. But you can own this right now. You can say, "Yep, God, that's me. That's what I want." Make this prayer yours right now. Father, forgive me. For I have sinned, got my own way. I've goobered things up pretty bad. And I see right now I need you. And I get it. Today I realize, Jesus, you died for me. You paid the price for my sins. So right now I come and embrace and accept that gift of grace and forgiveness that you've offered to me. And I surrender my life in exchange for the life you gave for me. Today right here right now i'm becoming your child now if that's you just in your own way say yep god that's me that's what i want And the bible says it's not me the bible says that instant you say yes you become holy before the father i know it's amazing and and now the holy spirit is living in you he's taking up residence in you you're a child of god with the holy spirit who dwells in you and he will transform you now the inside out to become that man or woman that he wants you to be. Our part is to continue just to say yes to him today, tomorrow, 10 years from now, the rest of our life to keep saying yes to the Father. Lord, for those that have made that decision right now, show them what it means. Show them who they are in you, the identity they have now as children of God, and what you're going to help them become. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with one last song. Love this song. This song nails what we just talked about. Some of you can be able to sing this for the first time today as truth in your life. We're going to give. We in This part of our service is part of where we worship with our giving as well. If you're a guest or visitor, don't feel obligated to give. But if this is your church, give to support what God's doing as an act of worship and love. Let's worship. I'll come back and wrap it up. Love that song. I love that truth. Today, if you sang that for the first time, this is a declaration of your faith in him now. and what That scandal of grace you've experienced. Tell somebody. We need to walk with others in this experience. So let somebody know. Come tell me. And on the doors, uh, by the doors, on the table, there's a packet for new believers. Pick one of those up and get that as well. Prayer time would be down front. There's communion available on both sides of the room. Next Sunday, guys, we're going to share communion together. There's a community of faith. We'll wrap the series up talking about the impossible mission. It's probably the single most important message in this series. So I really encourage you to come back and to hear our heart about this. But here's my prayer for you. Go and grow this week. Go and grow in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming.